Are we witnessing the beginning of a Matt Hardy breakdown? Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the What's procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm. Wait, 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 wait. Everybody, calm down. Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble. Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there. Kane was there, too. Yeah. No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw. This fight's right. It's Wrestle Rant Radio. What's going on, folks, and welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for November 30th, 2017. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Thanksgiving is officially in the books, and the Christmas countdown, more importantly, has begun. Just 25 more days until one of my favorite days of the year. Cannot wait to watch Raw on Christmas. I never thought I would say that, but I'm looking forward to that in just a little over three weeks. But we got more important matters to tend to today, talking Raw and SmackDown with my very special guest, at James Moffat. James Moffat, from the Twitter machine, a fellow Bleacher Report featured columnist for the WWE section on Bleacher Report. James, what's going on, dude? Nothing. How you doing today, man? Doing good, doing good. So I think we picked the perfect week for you coming here on the show, considering you were just at Starcade a couple of days ago. I figured we would have you here on the show soon enough. You expressed interest a few weeks ago, but I thought it was perfect timing since you were just at Starcade over the weekend, which, for those that don't remember, did not air on the WWE Network. So what was your experience like on that day? I mean, Starcade, it was it's always special when wrestling WWE comes back to uh, the Greensboro market, and for those that don't know, the, the history of professional wrestling in this market dates way back before even Starcade with the 60s and the 70s with Crockett Production and the old NWA and Mid-Atlantic Wrestling. It goes back really far. So when WWE announced that they were going to put on a Starcade, it just blew the roof off of this area and it obviously we saw the reaction online from people wanting it on the network but uh being in the audience and what they did at that event it was really uh, it, it was special it was a house show don't get me wrong it was a house show but it was it, it was an elevated house show and it was really cool from having the old superstars um your ricky steamboats and your uh, Rock and Roll Express and Arn Anderson and Ric Flair all there. It was really, really special to be there. I think a lot of people had said on Twitter from what I had seen was that I think the fact that it didn't air on the network actually helped like, give that event more of a special feel because you were exclusive to that show. No one else got to see that show but you guys. Of course, the, the, the little YouTube clips and the Twitter stuff and whatever, but beyond that, the only people who got to see that show were you guys. So and I'm already hearing rumors that they're starting up another Starcade show for next year, that same exact building. Uh, is that something you might go to? Oh, I'll be, I'll be there, no, no doubt. I mean, 
it's a great time to do it. I mean, and give, apparently, as Rick said at the event, give Michael Hayes a lot of credit because WWE had planned a house show anyway around this time, and he's the guy that said, wait a minute, we've got an opportunity here. We've got a great opportunity because not only is it historic in terms of having Starcade and all of the the previous versions, iterations, pre-Starcade at the Greensboro Coliseum at, on Thanksgiving. But right around the corner in Winston-Salem, you've got Wrestlecade, which for those listening that don't know, is probably the biggest, I, I guess, event for signings and meet and greet in the Southeast, at least, possibly, you know, on the East Coast. So you had all of these old-time wrestlers there already. Uh, Ricky was already going to be there. Rockwell Express were already going to be in WrestleCade. And you had the opportunity. WWE had the opportunity to bring these guys in. And if they can continue to do that at an event like this, even if it's a house show, you're going to have new faces from the old-time, you know, shows. And it's always going to bring a crowd in. It was one of the, from what I've been reading, it was one of the biggest house shows WWE did this year alone. So it makes financial sense just to do it again. And also I saw that you posted on Twitter that same day. You got the opportunity to meet Charlotte Flair, the new SmackDown Women's Champion. So what was that like? How was she? Uh, that was fun. That was more for my, my daughter. It was funny. I my, my daughter, nine going on ten, huge wrestling fan. So, mm. you know, whenever I get to have a chance to bring my kids and I've got a, a, a six-year-old son too to any wrestling show they go absolutely you know crazy or any of the meet and greets or any of that stuff so for the last couple of weeks she has been asking to get the the the, the, the book the second nature book and I had actually purchased it for her and I got a I, I got a signed copy already that was ready for Christmas and then when we got there, she wanted her own darn book. So I wound <laughs> up bringing her over there. She was great. She, Charlotte was wonderful with everybody. Um, and my, my daughter was extremely excited. They didn't actually even know until um, maybe that morning. Well, they didn't know until that morning that they were going to go uh, see Charlotte at uh, the book signing. They didn't know until two days prior that they were even going to Starcade. So that was a lot of fun. Um, the crowds, the, the Greensboro crowds and the crowds that came into Greensboro for this event, whether it's the, the signing, the signing was, we had people from Massachusetts that said they were down, um, Virginia, obviously, and the Carolinas all over the place. I, I mean, the crowds were absolutely wonderful. There was a, there was an excitement that you obviously don't get at a normal house show at this show. And it was, it, it was really something special, and I, I hope they can bottle it and, you know, use it again next year. Whether it's on the network is a whole other story. I'm sure that there are going to be a bunch of people that are upset. But uh, I, I understand WWE and what they did with that. The fact is, production costs would have gone way up. Uh, you, you don't, you're, you're not reaching a new audience with, with this event. So... Was there going to be an actual return on investment for that? Probably not. Um, would have been great for the hardcore fans? Absolutely. Um, but 
we'll see. But yeah, it was great. Charlotte was wonderful. Um, and that, that, I mean, it was just really, it was a special weekend. It was a special day. So you were at Starcade. Uh, before we get started here with Raw and SmackDown, what other shows have you been to in the many years that you've been a wrestling fan for? Oh, my Lord. Um, I, I've really just stuck. I, I have to say, I've never been to a pay-per-view, which, oh, yeah. you know, they, they're, they've been around in the area or whatnot. I've never been to one. And, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Carolina now. I grew up in, uh, in Tri-State, grew up in, in Jersey, so there was always stuff going on, but, you know, never actually attended one. Um, but most of the time, house shows, I, I, the, uh, the Raws and Smackdowns when they're in the area, um, fortunate enough to have been in attendance for uh, This Is Your Life Rock, which was actually in Greensboro on Raw, which was a lot of fun. That was another fun event. Um, but I'll be honest, I'm a house show guy. I like the house shows because... You get more action, you get less dead time, and really the crowds are there not to take over a show, but to enjoy a show. And that's probably the best part. And you mentioned right there, too, everything that you said about the house shows is the exact opposite with the television shows, whether it be Raw or SmackDown. And wrestlers themselves have said that they have more fun with the house shows because the cameras aren't on them. They don't have to deal with the bullshit of TV and whatever else. So I could see why house shows would be much more fun. You said you were there for the This Is Your Life for our, that, that segment from many, many years ago. Um, what else have you been in attendance for? Any notable moments besides Starkid, of course, this past weekend? I, I mean, not, nothing, nothing really notable, I have to say. I mean, I've been, I, I've been really disappointed in, in some of the shows that I've been to outside of house shows where, you, you, you know, what you see is what you get. Um, I was fortunate enough a couple of years ago to go down to uh, when NXT really first started touring. They came up to the Carolinas, and it was right after uh, Nakamura's uh, debut. So he was on. He he was there down in uh, it was Cabarrus Arena uh, down in Charlotte area, and took my daughter to that one. A Thursday night show. She. I made her get up for school the next morning, which she was not proud about. But that was a lot of fun because that was a that was Balor and Nakamura and uh, Corbin and Oscar and everybody that was just it was it was wonderful. It was right after Corbin had made his main roster debut um, down at WrestleMania for the Andre the Giant. It was. It, and again, another environment, a lot of fun, and a great crowd. And when you go to a live event, that's really what you want. You want to see great wrestling, and you want to enjoy it with the people around you. You don't want anybody to try to take it over or anything else. We, I, I've been to um, another one a couple of years back, uh, Raw, the go-home show for... I believe it might have been, um, oh, geez, Extreme Rules a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was just terrible. It was a terrible <laughs> And it was, yeah, I mean, that was with Chris Jericho and Dean Ambrose and the damn potty plant. And the, it, was, it was terrible. And that, that's where 
you know, most of the time, I mean, and we drive my wife around too, and she enjoys wrestling. She'll she'll watch it, um, but you know, she even comments as, as a casual fan. I'd rather go to these shows than go to see something on TV because it's just not fun anymore. That Raw that you had gone to before Extreme Rules, I think I remember watching that. By any chance, was that the Raw where they had the Charlotte and Natalia contract yes, signing? Is. Yes, it is. Oh. <laughs> and, and that was just a cluster. Yeah. It was a real one. The whole episode was just terrible. <laughs> and it was slow, and it was plotting. It was very similar, personally, not, and maybe it's a perfect segue, to this week's Raw. Mm-hmm. To me, which was a slow and plotting show. It had some great action. It had some great moments. But overall, production value was just terrible. Yeah, with this show, I mean, that's, that, like you said, that's the perfect segue right there. I know you had tweeted me at the end of the night and a bunch of other people that you were tapping out by the end of Raw. What was the breaking point for you uh, at the end of this week's show? I mean, in all honesty, I watched Raw... And I, I was excited. I wanted to see what was going to happen. And we get this opening promo about Kane and Braun. And then all of a sudden we segue into Roman Reigns. Why would you do that for mm-hmm. production? I mean, if you, you want to continue a story, bring out Kane first. Or start with the promo about Roman winning. That's the way to do it. But... It just really dragged. And then you had Roman sitting there in all of his glory and waiting for a challenge. You get Elias, which nothing for nothing. I was actually a little excited about. But then they hold it for an hour and a half. A challenge, you go to the ring and you get ready to challenge. They held it. It made no sense. It was over. It, it, I just got bored with it. And then Seth comes out and gives his little fist bump and everything and once again, we get a Cesaro versus Rollins match that nothing for nothing we have seen over and over and over again in some way, shape, or form since July, Graham. Since July. There is nothing else going on. I get it. You've got, you know, Seamus over in Ireland. And I get that Dean's on his honeymoon. But let's do something with it. You've got Roman there. You've got the shield, two-thirds of the shield anyway. Let's continue on with something with the shield. It would make sense. But we don't do that. We get their individual... We, we get individual matches with a group that's supposed to be together again. I, I And they come out to their own entrance music, and they wear their own gear, and it's just... It, 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 I, I got lost in the first hour. Seth and, Seth and Cesaro, great match. I don't doubt the two men can go, but gee, Louise, let's mix it up a little bit. 
That was something that bothered me too. I know we discussed that over Twitter last week when Roman had come out for his, I think it was the match for the IC title, not the Miz TV one, but later on in the main event where he came out to his own end. I mean, it's the same entrance theme, but it's obviously a bit varied. No Sierra Hotel, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And he came out to his own attire and whatever. And he did the same thing this week. And Seth did the same thing too. And it's not like they were, I mean, obviously they didn't have their own entrance music during the original Shield run, but... I was hoping he would have, both guys would have come out to the Shield entrance and still be doing that anyway, despite the fact they are focusing on other affairs right now. Reigns is IC champion, and obviously Rollins with Cesaro. Um, and it, even weirder, even odder than that, after Rollins won, before we confirmed the next week, we're getting the Raw Tag Team title rematch, which, again, like you said, we've seen four, at least four or five different times already. And they work well together. I'm sure the match is going to be great, but. It's like we've seen the match at least four times since the summer, and it's the middle of November, the end of November right now. So anyway, before yeah. Rollins confirmed that, Charlotte Caruso asked Seth, are there any signs of dissension within the Shield? Is this it for the Shield? And it's like, didn't they just reunite like a month ago? Like, am I missing something here, James? No, you're not missing anything. It's it, it's really just, it, it's poor storytelling is what it is, which you know, it, 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 it pains me. Like you said, they just got back together. They're supposedly this great group again. Well, let's see them as a damn group. But it's not. They're, they're, they're not. I mean, that's why I don't really... Everyone talks about the Shield being back together. The Shield isn't back together. The Shield is a merchandising machine for WWE, and they realize the money that's involved. How many T-shirts have they freaking sold since they got back together. That's the way it is. And that's why, and Roman's doing his thing with the IC title. Hopefully he cares about it a little more than he did the U.S. belt. And then you've got Dean and Seth that are going to go after the tag titles again. And yeah, it's going to be great because you know it's going to lead to all three men holding a belt at some point in time. But it's what are, what are they going to do now? What are they going to do? Nothing. I think the interview was merely just something to plant a seed for somewhere down the line, maybe. But I, I don't think so. I think it was just poor storytelling. And that as well, I mean, it's obvious that they will break up. Maybe not break up, but go their separate ways come WrestleMania. Because the plan since friggin' July of the, or uh, March of this past year has been to do Roman and Brock for the belt in the main event of WrestleMania, the Roman winning. And we all know that all roads head towards that. So the Shield isn't back together forever, at least not for the long run. Why wouldn't you capitalize on them being back by doing more tag team matches or doing more six-man tag team matches in the meantime, this might not last forever. We might get the Shield for only another month or two before they go their separate ways around the Rumble. So I was confused by that, too. Like you said, poor storytelling in a nutshell with the Shield. Uh, not the only example of that on this show or just in WWE in general right now. Um, but I do want to get your thoughts on this. So also on the show, speaking of stables, it was announced that the new stable of Paige, Sonya Deville, and Mandy Rose are now known as Absolution. Now, this got a lot of... Uh, criticism online both people saying they liked it people saying they hated it i personally didn't really mind it but i want to get your two cents james on the thought of on the name of absolution for Paige deville and rose do you like the name or do you hate it i mean it sounds like the usa somebody at the usa network uh got a hold of you know the naming rights to this you know damnation and absolution and all this other crap 
I, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. It, it just, it, it seems a little silly. Let's see what they do. They tried to weave a story in with it. Um, I would have liked to see it if that was, even if they had chosen the name ahead of time, to see it grow organically, you know, use it, let's not use it right away, but let's have commentary, you know, weave the story for them, and then it becomes something like that. I, I, I Like I said, I don't hate the name. I like the fable. I like it a lot. I like these three together. I'd like to get a little more background as to why Sonya and Mandy are with Paige. You've got a little taste of that. However, let's really let Paige shine and these two be the, be her lemmings. And let's not force a stable down our throat right away. I'd like to see that. But, you know, the name, it could have grown on me if it wasn't already force-fed to me. Yeah, that's the thing with these stable names, that they, they shove it down your throat 30 times within the matter of a show. Uh, we heard Absolution at least a dozen times over the course of this three-hour show between this, the other segment with Asuka, between Paige and her, whatever. Um, hopefully the name sticks. I personally don't hate it, like I said, but hopefully the name sticks. I mean, the last time we had a stable name get changed literally within weeks was when uh, also Paige, coincidentally enough, was involved in that stable with uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte. They called themselves the Sorority Sisters, and obviously that changed within very quickly, within the matter of two weeks, and PCB it was. And that, oh, was... that was, yes, that was the Submission Sorority. <laughs> yeah, Submission Sorority. That's yeah, what it no, was. No, we, yeah, don't, don't Google it, kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so hopefully they did their research this time, which brings me to my next point. We're going to jump to SmackDown real quick because it's kind of on a, a similar <laughs> note. We, we talked about this last night. Uh, I know you had, had quoted the tweet. Ruby Riot is now Ruby Riot Tata with, with two T's at the end there. So I guess it's a copyright thing. I saw someone say, or you had said that it was the copyright for, is it a, is a character or something else? Or the, the character in a book is what I saw. Yeah. Online. Actually, I'll give, I'll give a shout out to a buddy of mine. He, he had, we were talking about it over chat a little bit, and he brought it up that it, it, it is a character in a book. So maybe the trademark, when you do these things, is there infringement on it? Could there possibly be? Were they negotiating for the name? Because, you know, WWE won't trademark every name because they don't know if anybody's going to really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So when you when you file the trademark, you have an idea, and it looked like that the uh, that the trademark the the paperwork had a December deadline on it, but that just tells me that you know they couldn't come to an agreement on anything or they weren't going to get the approval. So they said they just scrapped the idea. If that's the case at all, I, I would assume that it's got to be some sort of trademark. Because otherwise, why would you just add a damn P at the end of the name? <laughs> because of Vince McMahon, that's why. I think that's the only answer anyone well, could provide. if that was the case, then you would just call her Ruby, and you'd just drop <laughs> the last name like they've done with every other wrestler they've called up over the last two years. Good point, good point. Yeah, Vince McMahon does not like last names or first names or whatever it is, so uh, maybe she will be. Maybe she will be Ruby at some point, and then we'll get Diamond in there and Jem and all these other people. Maybe that's what they'll rename Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan to within time. We'll see. Um, but Riot Squad, oh, Riot Squad isn't a terrible name, but just the extra T just looks stupid. But I, I would hope it's for legal reasons to avoid copyright, because otherwise that just sounds very dumb. I didn't mind Neville and, and Biggie and Cesaro. That's whatever. This I just thought was stupid, but hopefully it's for the right oh, reasons. 
And you had Elias going from Elias Stanton to Elias and everything. Yeah. But even with the riots, here's your thing. Yeah, you talked about stables and we talked about the raw women. You've got on Raw a group that is led by an established superstar and therefore the other two ladies can go and just do what they do and they can learn on the job. You've got SmackDown and the Riot Squad. You have now put Ruby in the forefront when nobody knows a damn thing about her and no one cares about her, at least the casual fans that you're hoping to attract with all of them. It almost would have made sense to flip it and have Paige be the headline, you know, stable name on hers somehow, and then, you know, go with some generic name on SmackDown. But now you've put Ruby in the forefront. Now, Ruby, I think, I, I, I think highly of Ruby Riot. I think that WWE fans, when they really get to see her go, are going to really enjoy her and enjoy her work in the ring. Because I think in NXT, you got a glimpse of it, but you didn't get the whole thing. And I think that she's a lot better on the mic than what, you know, maybe the NXT people have been used to seeing. And you're going to see that. And I think she's going to be really good. But it just didn't make sense. It is now sink or swim for Ruby Riot. Because her name's attached to it. And if not, you're, you're, you're sunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the, with the stable, just the fact alone that they did the same thing on SmackDown that they did on Raw the the very the previous night last week, um, and this week was no different. I think it was it was comical when they announced a six woman tag team match for this show, and people were predicting that Naomi and Natalya would be um, beaten down beforehand, which is what we saw on Raw this week. So I hope that's where the similarities stop is with where how they debuted on you know the week after Survivor Series. Because otherwise, Ruby Riot alone has money written all over her. Like you said, she is a potential superstar. Morgan and Logan are works in progress. I think Logan's a great wrestler, but she doesn't really have much of a character, and Morgan's the exact opposite. So hopefully we see that in due time. Uh, but she did pin the SmackDown Women's Champion, so come Clash of Champions. Hopefully we're not getting another friggin' six-woman tag team match. We're going to have a match that actually means something with Ruby versus Charlotte, and maybe we have that uh, that breakout outing from Ruby Riot on that show. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts so far on how they've handled those three wins on SmackDown and where they might be headed in the future? And now, I, you know, just like you said, it, it is a little bit copycat-ish. Did SmackDown credit, they let them wrestle. Uh, <laughs> where Raw is not even touching that one. But then, like, Yes, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see Ruby inject herself really quickly. I mean, like we said earlier, she's the name. She's the one. She's going to be in, in the forefront. And don't be surprised if you're going to... Don't be surprised to see a triple threat match coming very soon because now that Natalia ran off on her own last night and she's still, you know, she's still eyeing that prize. She's still eyeing that championship. Do not be surprised if you see a triple threat match coming up at Clash of Champions. Would not surprise me in the least bit. I think that Sarah Logan is going to be really superb. Liv, and... (laughs) (laughs) She's terrible, I'm sorry. I've seen her in NXT. She's not terrible. 
she's green. She's been a regular on the house show circuit down there. That, that's the thing, NXT. though. She's green, but she's been around for so long. Like, if she's not going to get better by now, will she ever get better is my question. Will she? I think she can. I think she absolutely can. It's what position are they going to put her in? So you got to put her in a stable if that's the case. Because yes. you've got to protect her, protect her weaknesses. However, I just think they sort of went about it wrong. Maybe put her in something in NXT. Get her TV time on NXT first. I mean, you haven't seen much of her. Um, and maybe maybe she's surprising everyone at you know the Performance Center, and we just don't know it because we're not seeing it. Because you've had so much good wrestling on NXT. Mm-hmm. Which, point. You know, you never know. Well, time will tell, but... You know, live the one out of the, the, the five women that just came up. Live the one that a little bit worries me. So we'll see how that goes. With um, the women on SmackDown, I just completely forgot about it until we started talking about it. Do you think they waited too long to have Carmella cash in? I mean, obviously she hasn't cashed in yet, but now that you have the Riot Squad on SmackDown, you have Natalia looming in the you know in, in, in the in the background as well in the title picture, and they have other heels on the roster. I mean, where does Carmella cash in here? So, does she cash in after the pay-per-view? Does she cash in at all? And if she does, is she successful? Where does she factor into this whole thing? I don't want Carmella to cash in until the most opportune time. I'll be honest, I, I, I've, I've missed Carmella. I've missed her over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I want more Carmella because her is that arrogant heel is perfect for that briefcase. She should keep that thing until the very last minute with a very perfect time to do that. Now, if you were to, say, have something at Clash of Champions and you've got a triple threat match and all three women are down, Carmella should be making a beeline to that ring and knocking everyone out and taking that title. It would make absolute sense to do it that way. If they don't do it that way, have her hold it. What's the harm? I guess what's the harm in her holding it? You have her cash in too early, you risk, you know, a Baron Corbin moment. And the other thing is this. This is the first woman to hold the money in the bank briefcase. If she does not cash that in, if they do not let her become champion, this exercise was a whole waste. Especially after the first match got criticism after James Ellsworth got involved too. So I would hope she cashes in successfully. And I do agree. I mean, a lot of people are very hit or miss on Carmella in terms of, you know, her wrestling ability and whatnot. And she is questionable in the ring. But as a character, she's grown quite a bit in the last year with her feuds with Nikki Bell and everyone else. Since coming up to the main roster, she's been used a lot better on the main roster than she ever was in NXT for the most part. So... Um, I do like the idea of her, of her holding on to it for the long run because she has technically until June. So it's been five, six months now, but we have yet to really see anyone hold it until the very end and maybe risk losing the briefcase because they didn't cash it in on time. So And maybe right now is not the right time because they have Ruby Riot, they have Natalia, they have Charlotte. Uh, maybe right now is not the best time to have her cash in, but maybe waiting until after WrestleMania. I mean, it's still, it's, it's still going to be in play, so we're going to have to see. Um, but going back to yeah. Raw briefly, we talked about um, you know the first few things in the show with the Shield and the women. Uh, one thing that stood out to me is one of my favorite parts of the show, personally, 
was Matt Hardy, um, which I never thought I would say in the last couple weeks, but he stood out in a major way on Monday night by teasing the return of the broken gimmick after a loss to Bray Wyatt by doing the delay chance and everything else. Uh, so, James, how far do you think they might go with this broken persona, this breakdown of Matt Hardy? Uh, are you looking forward to it? Are you one of the people that hates the broken gimmick? Where do you stand on it? You know, I, I'll be honest. I mean, it was on impact. Who the hell watched it? But uh, unless you, you know, took a YouTube clip once in a while. <laughs> but in all honesty, with the Matt Hardy broken gimmick, it's only going to be as successful as Vince McMahon allows it to be. Mm-hmm. When Matt took this over and he, and he cultivated this personality and this gimmick, he had complete creative control over doing it. And as we know with WWE, that's not the case for most wrestlers. They do not have that freedom to do it. So if WWE and Vince allows Matt to morph it into something that will work for WWE, it can be a huge success. But if WWE overly scripts it, it is going to be a colossal waste of time. Look what WWE did with Bray Wyatt and turning, trying to manufacture their own broken gimmicks or their own gimmicks, we'll say, after broken. They did the, the New Day and the Wyatt family <clears throat> in this terrible backwoods brawl. They did the House of Horrors match, which is just, quite possibly, it might it ranks up there for me with the Punjabi prison. And it is, it just didn't work because they were trying to manufacture it instead of letting it grow organically. If you let it grow organically and let Matt seize it, the man is a professional. He's smart enough. He's been in WWE for long enough to know what will work and what won't work, both with the audience and with the management. Let him run with it and see just how far you can go. It's not like anything Matt did was, you know, completely crazy. It's It was just different, and it was corny, and it was, it was everything that was supposed to be good about you know, that, that, that cheesy sort of wrestling stuff. And it worked on so many levels because no one has seen something as personally as asinine before. But it worked because he, he owned it and he lived it. If you let him do this, you know, the sky's the limit for it. I think the skepticism is justified because, as you said, they rarely do gimmicks right that they didn't create themselves. And a large reason why the broken thing got over as much as it did was because he was largely responsible, Matt, that is, for a lot of the stuff he did in Impact Wrestling, had a lot of creative freedom. Will he have that same freedom of the character in WWE? It remains to be seen. Um, but I would rather at least see them attempt to do the character than not do it at all. Because the guy's been doing nothing oh, yeah. for a month now. I mean, Jeff's been out injured for two months. Matt's been, what, losing to Elias on the Survivor Series kickoff show? They had to do something with the guy, and he's way too good to be wasted, considering he was one of the hottest acts in all of wrestling at this time a year ago. So I'm glad to see them at well, least if you want to And do it. if you want a fantasy book it, Graham, mm-hmm. you have Jeff's going to be back around WrestleMania. Yep. 
what Matt teased the hell out of this, and then it all of a sudden it blows up right before WrestleMania or at WrestleMania. That's it. it you just keep teasing it. He's all, he's been teasing it for how long since his return, really, yep. to WWE on Twitter. So let it play out. Let him go crazy. Let's not see him except for backstage for a while. That's the. That, I think, I mean, if, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, if you're gonna do, if, if you're gonna do it, let's really make it a reveal. Let's make it something huge. Like you had said, not many people watch Impact. Very few fans still watch Impact. But if you go back and watch the promos, the, the, I think the beauty of the broken gimmick in Impact was the build towards him going fully broken, and it was amazing. I mean, you have to go back on YouTube and watch the whole evolution of the character, but it took place Absolutely. Over, over the course of at least four or five or six months. So it's not going to just happen overnight. I mean, of course, he's been losing for a few weeks, but it's got to go a bit beyond that. I mean, this is WWE. They like to rush things. He's going to be coming out in the full broken regalia next week, which is fine. I mean, it's not terrible, but I think the the beauty of the broken gimmick in WWE would be if they slowly built up to it over the course of a few months and not just the little delete chance he's been doing since his return, like you said, but having him do the accent and uh, kind yes. of, you know, describing the streak in his hair. I mean, for casual fans, why does he have a yellow streak in his hair? We didn't, that was never explained for anyone who doesn't nope. know the, the broken background from other companies. He just came back looking like that for no apparent reason. So, I don't, obviously, oh, remember, he also came back and he, he wrestled the show that day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he really, he went from one show over to WrestleMania, so he had no time to even if they were going to try it. <laughs> yeah, good point, good point, good point. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this goes. Uh, I, I was a big fan of the character before it came to WWE because obviously, obviously they couldn't use it when they first came to the company, but hopefully they worked out all the legal stuff. He can become broken or woken or whatever the hell they want to call it. And uh, here's hoping WWE does right by the character. I know that's, that's I'm putting a little bit too much faith in them, considering their their uh, tendency and their track record of not yeah, doing things. Yeah, the track things. record isn't all that great. <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly stellar, to say the least. Uh, but at least they're doing something with a guy, and that's all I'm happy about. It's, it's actually kind of sad. It's quite sad that they're, and I love Matt Hardy, but it's kind of sad they're focusing on the loser of the match between him and Bray Wyatt, more so than the fact that Bray Wyatt won. A guy who I think, I don't know if you want to call him damaged goods, but or that ho- all hope might be lost for him, but like, what the hell is going on with Bray Wyatt? I feel like I've asked this question uh, a he, million times over the last three years. Uh, what the hell is going on with this guy? I, mean, I really think that WWE does not know what they have with Bray Wyatt after all of this time. And that's pretty damn sad, because you're talking about a guy that has really good matches. He knows how to sell. He knows how to promote. And again, I potentially over-scripting a guy that was really good as a down-with-the-machine sort of character into this supernatural phenomena, which, by the way, you, you talk about Broken Matt Hardy, you know he's going to come back as Broken Matt Hardy against Bray Wyatt. And you know that Bray Wyatt is once again going to lose a feud. Mm-hmm. There's, it, it's, it's cyclical with the man. And it's very sad because I enjoy watching him work. When he works, he is really, really good. I just don't think they have a plan for him. 
And that's, I mean, that's the biggest indictment of all. And they never you've really have guy, either. You, you've got a guy who you elevated to WWE champion at one point in time. Mm-hmm. But you elevated him in order to do nothing but really elevate Randy Orton. <laughs> in 2017. Exactly. That's what you did. You had this tag team tandem, which they were really good together. Again, as corny as that storyline was, they made it work. And then Bray is the champion. And you had this whole turn. And it was against, from working against Bray now. And it was really meant to do nothing but make Orton the champion. I, I don't know why. You, it was. Did you not want? Did, did you not want Orton to pin Cena or AJ or somebody else? You put. I just didn't make any sense then. You had him at his peak where he could have, you know, back you know a couple years ago. He had a what you can consider a, a pretty decent feud against John Cena, uh, at least I considered it in, in ring, it was pretty decent. That was a great time for John Cena to put over a guy like Bray Wyatt. Never did it. Never did it. And I don't blame John Cena for that. I blame the company for that. Because it's John Cena, he sells the merch and he's the face. But they've never given him a rightful opportunity, even when they gave him a title. They never gave him his his right opportunity, and it's pretty sad because the guy is really good. I don't know what else you do with the guy at this point beyond just losing to the Roman Reigns's and the Seth Rollins and the Dean Ambroses of the world. I mean, what else do you do? That whole Randy Orton feud was a complete waste of time. I got to ask you this: beyond maybe Randy Orton, I mean, we're closing, we're we're nearing the end of 2017 now. Does Bray Wyatt win the award for worst wrestler of 2017? I'm not just talking about from an in-ring standpoint, but just in terms of how he's been booked between now and from the start of the year. Is he the worst wrestler of 2017 for WWE? Ooh. I mean, Jinder's up there too. It, it could be. It could be their gender. Gender very well might, which you know, another lowdown, dirty shame. Because if he, I'll, I'll go back. I'll, Little gender tangent before we go on to uh, before we go on to worst book, but Bray's up there. I would say that and gender because at Starcade the the main event was AJ versus Gender in the steel cage. Gender went man, he was good. That match was really really good. It got a little crazy at the end with you know the thing brothers running in and out of the cage and everything else, but in terms of the match. It was a good match. The man can go. But then you get this TV personality, this overproduction, as we talked about earlier, and he's just booked as this vile foreign heel, and it's terrible because the man can go. So in terms of TV, yes, gender's up there with Bray because Bray hasn't done jack the whole damn time. Um Depending on who your allegiances are with and who your favorites are, people might say Finn. Finn's been booked terribly yep. this whole year. So, I mean, if you're going for strict, if, if you're looking for an answer that's just strict booking, I, I would probably say gender. 
But if you're going off of allegiances, you're going to have a bunch of people that think Finn Balor has been booked terribly this year. So what's the over-under right now? I mean, it's late November as we talk, and the Rumble's in two months, but it just doesn't seem like they're headed into the direction. They're headed towards a Finn Balor and Brock Lesnar match, which... At this point, I can't blame him. The guy just got the shit kicked out of him by fucking Kane in 2017 at the end of Raw this week. He's lost the Kane clean multiple times. It's like, what are they doing with the guy? It's like, and this has not been just the last month. I mean, I know he beat AJ Styles, which was an amazing match. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, all year, the guy has not yet gotten his championship rematch. And I could see people making the argument a few months ago, oh, it's because they want to protect him. They don't want to have him lose to Brock. It's like... I mean, they really want to protect him, so they had him lose to Kane clean. It's like, I don't think that's the case at all. Um, I mean, again, he, he quote-unquote main-evented Raw this week with Kane, won by DQ in five minutes before getting the shit kicked out of him, had to have Braun Strowman save his ass. What are, what's the over-under, James, on Balor and Brock happening in the Rumble? And if not Finn, then who? Uh, well, well, I think we'll sort of get an answer next week to sort of segue in your next, you know, your, your, your next podcast because um, Brock's advertised for Raw coming up so him and Heyman will be there so you might get a little sneak peek as to what their plans are there um, is it going to be Finn? I, I don't think so I, I, I don't see how you could do that match um, nothing for nothing I, I'll be honest I think this whole um, but all the speculation about whether Vince thinks that Finn is over or not, which Finn is having a, a hell of a lot of fun on Twitter and Instagram <laughs> and everything else with. Um, I, I really just think that's, that's smoking mirrors. Because I think they know what they got in Finn, I think they like what they have with it. Um, I, I think that Finn's a... I think Finn's just a victim of one a, a, a loaded upper card on Raw. I mean, it's absolutely phenomenal in terms of the number of superstars that are that you can consider, you know, upper mid-card or main event work. I think that his injury, the timing couldn't have been worse because when he took that belt, you had guys that were really his peers on there. You had... You know, Roman, and you had Seth in there, you had Cesaro in there, and Kevin Owens. You had uh, guys that he could work with very easily and have a tremendous matches. He went out, and all of a sudden, we get the huge Roman pushing it. We get the return of Brock Lesnar. We get Braun Strowman, who is the, the absolute monster that makes Vince salivate. He can't. He he realistically cannot go with any of those guys because th- their styles won't match. It won't work. So I, I don't know. What do you do with them? I personally feel he'd be a perfect fit on SmackDown. Agreed. Yep. Because the because the guys there, he, it, it's just like before. He could go with those guys. Imagine the matchups. Imagine the different types of matchups you could have. I don't want to see Finn Balor fed to Brock Lesnar or heaven forbid Kane like we just saw. I mean, I want to see him flourish. Now, you've got Roman with the IC belt. You've got 
Brock with the Universal Championship, there's nowhere for him to go. And I think that's where this speculation comes in, where he's not getting pushed because he's not over, and look at Roman, and look at Brock, and they're the money makers and everything else. I just think that, you know, sometimes there's not a place for him. Not in terms of not a place on the roster, but there, there's not a there's not a place on the upper mid card. Some people have to just get beaten. I mean, it's as simple as that. Um, do I see him challenging for the universal? No. Is that a bad thing? No. Doesn't mean that he's buried. It just means that would you really walk into that pay-per-view as a fan and think that whether he's in Balor or whether he's the demon, whether he, you think that he's got a realistic chance of winning that match? No, it's a placeholder. It's a placeholder match. If you're going to do that, let Braun feed on, you know, Heath Slater again. It, yeah, it's, it's just silly. I mean, at this point with Finn Balor, where do you go with him? Like you said, there's really no place else for him to go on Raw. I think he would have been a perfect candidate to take that Intercontinental Championship from uh, from The Miz, as opposed to Roman Reigns. And the Roman Reigns is supposed to be doing the Shield thing anyway. And like you said earlier, they're probably going to be building to all members of the Shield holding gold, which is cool. I mean, we got that once before. We might get it again. That's fine. But I think Finn Balor and Joe could have had a perfect feud over that championship. And that, I think that would have done more to elevate that icy title than anything else. Just, um, well, I can't... Think about this, too, Chris. You've got... Think about this. All the speculation about Roman and Brock at WrestleMania. Roman's not going to walk into that match as an IC champion. So no, he won't. You've got, yeah. you've got Roman and let the, the way I see it, you have Roman and Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe would be a perfect candidate to hold that IC title at you know after Rumble and heading into WrestleMania and all that stuff. And frankly, since Joe's debut on the main roster. If there's ever a guy that's got Roman's number, it is Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they could have a blowout match at the Rumble, and then you could put them both in the Rumble for great big. That's not a big deal. We've seen that before. And then you could conceivably, as long as you take a careful, calculated approach with Finn, you've got Finn and Samoa Joe just sitting there waiting for you for WrestleMania. I think that'd be the perfect match for WrestleMania. Yeah. The roof off the mm-hmm. yeah, I think that'd be the perfect match for WrestleMania. Considering the current card and what it might look like, I think that'd be a great addition and one of the potential show stealers. But yeah, I, as you mentioned before, I just can't say I buy into the reports of Balor not being over, which is why they won't push him. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. If you have a guy get beat by Kane and all these other wrestlers week after week, of course he's not going to be over. And this is the same company. I mean, I'm not saying they're, they think that he's not over. Those are the reports. I can't say I buy into that, but it's their own fault why he might not be over. Is he as over as he could be? Definitely not. I mean, he was the hottest thing on the roster when he first got called up. And, of course, that was a year and a half ago. But the injury screwed things up. That obviously was en- not anyone's fault. But um, it, it's just their own fault as to why he's not at that level. And if you're trying to build up Kane for the for the Braun showdown, which we know is going to happen at some point, you can't feed Jason Jordan and Rhino and Bo Dallas 
and all these guys to Kane, because that's not building up Kane. So somebody's got to take the fall. Somebody big, some other name is going to have to take the fall for Kane to build him back up, because he hasn't seen the guy forever. It's Ben's just that guy right now, because there are no plans with him right now. That's not necessarily an indictment against the guy. It means he's a good company guy. It means that you know, there is no direction for him at the present time. He's not in a feud. Does it hurt? As a fan, it hurts because you want to see him do well. The, you know, and the, the IWC thinks that they know wrestling better than Vince, which, you know, sometimes we really do. Other times, and most of the time, we don't. There's an end game somewhere. Now, it might be a short-sighted end game. Again, Kane being made to look awesome at the expense of Finn Balor, or it might be a long-term play, but it somebody's got to eat that pin. And Finn's the guy right now, and it it hurts as a fan, but I, I, I think that he can. He can be a top-level superstar. He can be a universal champion. He can be a WWE champion, an intercontinental champion. I just think that you've got a stacked roster, and sometimes, hey, people eat pins. In our final few minutes here, before we wrap up, do you want to get your thoughts on this? Happened on SmackDown last night. Um, I know everyone's truly heartbroken over it. The Hypros have been broken up after Mojo Raleigh turned on Zack Ryder. Uh, is this our Clash of Champions kickoff show match, James? Oh, of course it is. Of course it is. And I can't wait for it because <laughs> I really... I, I, and I, I'll be honest. I really want to see what they do with a, with a heel Mojo Raleigh. Because he's been the same guy since the first day in NXT. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you go back to, you know, all the the behind-the-scenes NXT stuff and watch him do promos and everything else, Mojo is Mojo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, watch Breaking Ground, yeah. I'd really like to see what they do with it. He can't come out to the same... uh, He can't come out to the same music. He can't come out with the same demeanor. It ain't gonna work. Mm -hmm. I really want to see how they treat him. Because if they really treat him as somebody who's now going to get vicious, like he showed on SmackDown, man, I I think he can go really far. Now, far for him is, you know, mid-card. But, that's better than the chances anybody else gave him when he got on the rock. Hey, he won the Under the Gem Memorial Battle Royal. Can't forget about that. Yes, he, yes, he did. Thank you, Rob Gronkowski. <laughs> yeah, and assist the Rob Gronkowski. Oh man. So uh, another final topic I do want to talk about real quick. I know you had uh, tweeted about it actually on Monday night, so I do want to get your two cents on it. You mentioned it earlier, Jason Jordan. The guy's got to be going heel, right? He's got to be going heel. Oh yeah. Now you, you, this is almost Roman 2.0 here because. They're trying to push him. And now I, I think WWE really got the idea that, shit, he's not going anywhere. The fans aren't liking him. He gets no crowd reaction at all. It's just if they're not booed. So now you're starting to see in the backstage and the, and the whining and the crying and trying to impress that. What, he's going to be a heel. 
there, there's not a question that he's going to be a heel at some point in time. I don't know when. They might slow burn this. I, and that's cool by me, too, if he still plays it up. Um, but will it work? I don't know if him alone, I don't know if he alone can make a character work right now. And that's, again, not an indictment. He was a tag team wrestler. He was a damn good wrestler and a damn good tag team wrestler. And all of a sudden, again, he's got the look, he's got the, he's got the charisma and everything else. We're going to put him in as a single wrestler. It doesn't happen overnight. And character-wise, he has a long way to go. And I don't know if he can do it on his own. That's why, personally, I'd love, I'd love to see if he's going to turn heel, turn Kurt heel with him. Because then they can work as a team and really cause some shit. And I'd love to see it. It's not going to happen. Because they want to play the whole father-son thing. And, you know, they did it with Stardust and Dusty and everybody else a couple years ago, too. But, yeah, Jason's going to be healed. It's just a matter of time. I I don't know when. I, I, I hope they slow burn it, though, because just an immediate heel turn, people are going to be like, okay, now what? Do you think they have him turn on Kurt maybe at the Rumble if they have Angle in a match against Triple H or someone? Oh, sweet Lord. First off, let's pray to God we don't get Kurt Angle in a match again. <laughs> oh, uh, we are. oh, we are. Oh, God. He's... I, I love Kurt Angle. I've always loved Kurt Angle, and the character of Kurt Angle is wonderful, but... Damn it! Can we just dispense with the authority figures for a little while? Just a little while. It sucks that SmackDown's uh, getting sucked into it too now. The show kicked uh, off with Daniel uh, Bryan and Shane. It's like, come on, we got to move away from this. Oh, and that that that's gonna that's gonna slow burn for a long time. But is he gonna turn against? Is he gonna turn against Kurt in a match with Triple H or whatever? Probably at some point. I wouldn't be surprised if it sort of happened, you know, a, a, a raw after. That that would, I think that would be a little better than having it happen just at the pay per view. Mm-hmm. Let's say he, let's say he helps Kurt win, or he, you know, or Kurt loses because of Jason somehow or whatever, and they have this big old hullabaloo in the middle of the ring, and then Jason just absolutely plants them. It could happen, but I think that would be a better way of presenting it than at the event. Um, but I, I just, I personally would like to see Kurt lead him more and make him the character instead of, you know, Jason sort of reacting off of him. That would be nice. I think anything to get Jason out of this rut that he's in right now. I mean, the guy's talented, but they have done him no favors in this storyline with Kurt Angle up to this point. Turning him heel, no matter where they go from there, whether Kurt's still aligned with him or not, is has to be the best course of action because so far he's just been yeah. dying to death. Um, that being said, James, it's been great talking to you, dude. As we wind down, where can the people find you? Anything else you'd like to plug for the people before we ride off in the sunset? Hey, uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's where I'm at. James Moffat. M-O-F-F-A-T. I'm there. I'm talking. Come come be one of the dozens of followers on Twitter to hear my ramblings about wrestling and, you know, 
shooting the breeze with everyone from Bleacher to uh, everyone else in the IWC, and it, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, just a shout out to you for having me on, and uh, it's been a blast. Hopefully, hopefully it's not the last time you pop my podcast, Jerry. So. Uh, <laughs> Awesome, my man. Yeah, great to have you here on the show for the first time. You write great articles. People can check that out on Bleacher Report. But until next time, dude, have a happy holiday. I'll catch you on the road. Yeah, have a good one, brother. And even with everything we just talked about right there between Raw, SmackDown, and everything else WWE-related, the coolest thing I've seen all week didn't even have anything to do with wrestling. It was the new Avengers trailer that dropped on Wednesday morning, the new Infinity Wars trailer, which looks fucking amazing, let me tell you. And I'm not the biggest Marvel guy out there. I am absolutely a Marvel guy over DC. I haven't read any of the comics. I'm just a Marvel movie guy. This looks incredible. That ending, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't already seen it, but gave me goosebumps. Had me marking out, as we would say as a wrestling fan. So check that out if you haven't already. Check out James on Twitter, on Bleach Report. Once again, big thanks to him for helping me break down the week in WWE for the first time here on WrestleRant Radio. Plenty of others making their WrestleRant Radio debut in the weeks and months ahead. I put out a tweet about three, four weeks ago asking anyone in the Twitter universe if they would like to come here on the show, whether they've been on the show before or uh, have never been on the show at all, and I uh, got a, quite a few responses. So I'll be having on a slew of guests in the couple in the next couple of weeks, um, including on December 21st, Jamie Lee Mack is back to help me break down the year in WWE pay-per-view themes, not only into just 2017, but just in general. We'll talk about WWE, WWE pay-per-view themes in 2017, uh, NXT TakeOver themes. We'll talk about other pay-per-view themes from past years, We've been waiting on this discussion for a very long time now, so I'm looking forward to that for the holiday week edition of WrestleRant Radio, like I said, on December 21st. And then the week after that, um, I'm sure it's going to be going up on that Thursday. My girlfriend's visiting that week, so we'll figure something out. But December 28th, we're going to have the 5th Annual WWE NXT Year in Review Awards Ceremony right here on WrestleRant Radio. The polls start this Friday, December 1st right here on nextairwrestling.net. So stay tuned for that. Vote in the WWE Wrestler of the Year between WWE and NXT, Match of the Year, Feud of the Year, Women's Wrestler of the Year, Most Disappointing Star of the Year, and so much more. The polls start, they open this Friday, December 1st, so stay tuned for that. Be sure to vote um, at least once. I think you can only vote once. I don't think you can vote more than once. But be sure to cast your vote, have your voice be heard in the poll results, and we're going to talk about the results of that poll on the December 28th edition of WrestleRant Radio in just about a month. Uh, so last but not least, guys, be sure to check out the show on iTunes. Subscribe by going to the Apple Podcast app on your phone, simply searching up WrestleRant Radio. Hit that subscribe button. Like I said before, you get every archived episode ever and every new episode on Thursdays. So be sure to do that. It is now easier than ever to listen to WrestleRant Radio. And if you don't want to do that, that's cool too. Just take the traditional route and listen to the show every single Thursday on nextairwrestling.net, including my written reviews. Uh, my, you know, also on the website, my written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Impact, Ring of Honor, and everything else in between. So stay tuned for that right here on the website. And uh, you guys can find me on Twitter as well at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook and like the page. Give it all thumbs up at facebook.com backslash Graham.gsm.matthews. And also on YouTube at youtube.com backslash C backslash 
Gramgius and Matthew. So once again, guys, new episode of Wrestle Rant Radio coming your way next Thursday. Until then, have a great rest of your weekend. I'm Graham Gius and Matthews. Check out that Infinity Wars trailer, and I'll catch your ass down the road. Bye.